Arthur, I have some bad news for you. <laughs> this is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. Is this a joke to you? Uh, Murray, one small thing. Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? Seniors Network. We are here to talk about Joker. I ain't gonna lie. Honestly, I wanted to open with a maniacal laugh, and I but I couldn't muster it. I couldn't. You can do still it. do it. You can still it's do it. it's really bad. No, go ahead, do it. Example. Do it. Go ahead, do it. Do the laugh. <laughs> what fuck you make me do that? <laughs> you fucking try. Just know. I hope a lot of people listen to this podcast just so they can hear that like egregiousness. I know John probably listen right now and be like, what the fuck? Well, he could just call me gay. Yeah, that's true. That's what John could do. So we are here to talk about Joker. It's been a phenomenon. We had um, the lead up and the coverage of this movie was kind of unique because we saw Joker was coming. First of all, before we even do this deep dive into this, massive spoilers ahead. And if you clicked play on this, then you should know what to expect. We are going to talk about this as if everyone listening to this wants to be a part of the conversation. Yeah, because how dare you click on a podcast for Joker <laughs> and think that, oh, they just could talk about the movie that I haven't seen yet and they won't spoil anything. Like Dave Chappelle said, and I loved when he said it on the Netflix special, you click my face, you know what to expect. This is what to expect. So uh, Joker was rumored early, I think... Uh, early 2016 and then it feels like it was it's been longer than that Todd eh? Phillips was um, connected to it and then there was um, talk about the Joaquin Phoenix casting but then fast forward to this year 2019 Joker goes to Venice wins Venice goes to I was there goes to Tiff wins Tiff I was there nice 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 okay goes to Tiff wins that I was there and then then the rumors and the uh, the talk about Joker and the debate started really going because the media and the press had seen it by then and they started to write articles. And they started to write articles about what Joker meant in this time and the culture, kind of what does it do. And I feel like everything was under the guise of there was the Joker shooting um, after the Dark Knight where the guy dressed up as a Joker said he used the, the Joker was one of the things that kind of inspired him. And he wanted to play into that kind of chaotic character. So that was all the background for the, I think, the the controversy that started to build. So you had that happening on, on one hand, right? So for people who are like into film, into, into movies, into comic book movies, that was kind of the discussion that they were starting to hear. And then on the other hand, you also heard that Joaquin Phoenix had this amazing performance. And that ratcheted up the expectations of you really wanting to see it. So then here we are walking in, into the Joker when that is the backdrop. So before you saw the Joker, 
what were some of the things that you were starting to hear? What was some of the kind of dialogue that was going back and forth? Well, naturally, the biggest story, the biggest controversy surrounding it, like you mentioned, was the shooting, uh, the 2012 shooting in Colorado. The inspiration of that uh, Heath Ledger's role in in The Dark Knight, and that this the shooting happened at a midnight screening of The Dark Knight Rises. So you have right there. There's no mental gymnastics you have to do to make that connection. It's right there. It's over it in front of your face. So it's it's kind of a warning that people were putting out there that there may be copycats. There may be people looking to have life imitate this piece of art my thing about it was i i get that we've had that one experience i get that you had that shooting but the joker is not going to be the first movie based on a madman that goes on a rampage doing doing all kinds of crime okay. everything from murder to rape to arm robbery like we've seen this all the time and i understand that it's happened once before but i feel like it became a talking point that was overblown because of the history and just because we live in this social media outrage time where you have to find something take it and run with it i did not find the movie to be <laughs> something that was going to to gaslight mass protests and civil unrest Matt, okay let me just say this i thought along those same lines as you um, going into the movie and then I saw it and then I was like oh fuck that's what they meant and here's why let, let me just say this because the difference between say Taxi Driver because I, th I think that had Taxi Driver been seen by a lot more people and Taxi Driver did inspire some a lot of violence and um, vigilante behavior and was kind of like the pre uh, prequel for a lot of the, the same kind of vigilante movies you saw in the late 70s early 80s and that was based on on searches so john wayne you know that racist guy so that was based on that but i think that where a lot of the reviewers were coming from and i thought a lot of them were um had just really shit takes there was one writer for a slate who i think wanted to just have an insane clown posse reference in her article in her review and i was like you did this just to have this just like, to have the shitty pun this is something nal would do but anyway. Oh my god. Yes, okay. No, no, please don't. Please don't. But that entire scene. Shut up, shut up. But, but shut oh, up. Oh shit. But this is the thing, right? So in in my mind, um the reason people had this kind of reaction to Joker was uh they because they didn't come into the movie as a complete blank slate. They came in with the with these few things. One, um the shooting for from 2012. Two, you have a lot of the 4chan and a lot of those um, just on those private private websites people go on. Where the insults. They get, the insults where they get to trade uh, discussions on their kind of hatred and how awful their life is for them. You had the driver in Toronto who ran over the people. Um, he's an incel, the guy in L.A. who shot up those people because he was uh, angry at women. So I think that those were kind of the like some of the things that were playing in the minds of some of those critics. And then the last thing that was playing on their mind was this is a comic book movie. This will be seen by millions of people in a different light. So even though they could appreciate in one vein a really dark and a really violent movie, and the next and the next vein they were saying this is a, for a, a mass audience. When I yeah. when I watch my little movie that's extremely violent, like 
there's going to be a few million people who will see it and it'll get reviewed and then it might get nominated for an Oscar. This is part of the this is a monoculture topic now because everyone is going to because be that's the superhero movies are now right and I so re- that's that's I think where their difference was. I still disagreed with them. Yeah, I yeah. still think that they overplayed it because I went there expecting to see some really subversive shit. Some really violent, violent stuff. And I can't I believe feel we didn't I did start not, with that. I feel that I, I did not see it. I can't believe we didn't start with that. We failed. We forgot. Uh, we were supposed to start with that. But, I'm so mad I didn't see him in the gym on Sunday just so I could go at him. <laughs> okay. And I do realize I have to check my bias at the door because I we both grew up on comic books. We yeah, were yeah. very familiar with Joker's story. And because of my confirmation bias... I assume that his story is very well known. So I walk into this film thinking, or even before this movie was out, I've seen so many iterations of his origin story that I'm thinking there's no way anything can shock me. Like, I can appreciate the art, but basically I know what's going to happen. If I watch a Batman movie, I know his origin. I know Superman's origin. I know the Joker's origin. He is an insane clown that commits crime for a living Obviously, this is a madman, and I knew he was a madman at a very young age. Watching Batman the Animated Series, I knew he was a crazy person. Batman the Animated Series, which is a really dark fucking cartoon. It is. That it children is. were watching at the time, and everyone seemed to be okay with it. Yeah, but I mean, I just say that to say, we should know what we're getting. It goes back to us talking about people clicking on this. When you click the face, you know what it is. When you watch a Joker movie, you know what it is. And given who's starring in it, Joaquin Phoenix. You know how Joaquin Phoenix famously does his deep dive into all of his roles. I think he he probably thinks he's like Daniel Day-Lewis or something like that. Like, he wants to be that kind of person, right? You think uh, Daniel Day-Lewis is retired. I wonder if Daniel Day-Lewis watched this and was like... Phew. You wouldn't want to see the shit I would do. I believe Daniel Day Lewis would become now, an actual terrorist. And now if he I did this. And now I think I think this role. I, I don't know how many times. Obviously, it's going to be done over maybe 15, 20 years down the line. But the role of Joker has now become the platform for. Oh, you want to see acting, boy? You cannot act me you can't because out act Heath me. Ledger became the gold standard for somebody that just completely. We're going to talk about the ranking system, but I'm just going to say <laughs> Heath Ledger died shit you know what and you know what's crazy how we bring it up and this how you know how great it was the minute i walked out of the movie that's the first thing i said in in the group well that wasn't cut and dry better than i mean that was good but it was good it was good no no no. it It was it was it was a great movie but he thought this is my last thing before we get into the actual movie um i just didn't like todd phillips defense of the movie because him and Joaquin Phoenix tried to have like it. I felt like he had to defend it, though. Anyway, go and ahead. I, and I feel like he, he tried to have it both ways, right? So you, as a filmmaker, I don't as an artist, I don't think you get to say that, you, that your influence is limited in scope, but then when it's something that um, you're describing, your work that's going to have a positive influence for people who are going to see it, people who are going to consume it, because you're making it with some sort of intent. And I think that what a lot of critics missed was the intent behind Todd Phillips' work. And part of his intent was to shed a, a spotlight on there are people out there with mental illnesses and maybe we should be more cognizant of them. Maybe we should pay more attention to them. Maybe we should be nicer and more civil as a society. Those were like the overarching themes that right. I think that he was making. And to me, the violence that he had in there it was not glorified. I didn't see the Joker as a Robin Hood character. 
So I think maybe that should have been his argument instead of saying that, oh, we're not going to influence uh, people who see this. Obviously, you are. Obviously, pop culture and film influence society. All art influences somebody. Everything. You go online. There literally is a job in not 2019. All, not all PSAs. There's, <laughs> there literally is a job in 2019 with the title Influencer. You can't say that I'm going to have this mass consumption product and it won't influence anyone. To me, that's ridiculous. And, like, I think that's a cop-out. And I think that he knows that, like, even the the um, the comedies that he made, they influence a, a, ge- a way oh, a generation did. consumed comedy, what guys thought were funny. And it played into kind of the male ego. And I think when you do something like this, I think that the, the move wasn't to, like, shy away from what you were saying. It's more so to lean into it. And yeah. I wish... Todd Phillips and Joaquin both leaned into what they did more. It should have been, these are the issues, these are the stories that are left untold. This is what so many people are dealing with. Face it head on rather than ignoring it. Because this person here, this is an example of somebody that was largely ignored, that was largely forgotten about. And you see what the end result of that could be. So rather than us continuing to ignore it, sweep it under the rug, why don't we see see the story for what it is face it head on and now the next step in the story is how do we deal with it how do we prevent something like this because there are people that are going through things like this and there are people that are going to connect to this all of them dudes who ain't getting no gals not getting gals is not getting gals is a serious thing and if you listen to this and you look up what an incel is it's basically think of the stereotypical person that never leaves their room is completely anti-social and at the they're misogynist they're possibly racist and at the foundation of all of that is they ain't fucking they ain't getting no gals remember after or 9/11, dudes if they're gay they just ain't fucking after 9-11 bill maher would just make the joke that we just need to send bitches over there and we will be fine. I mean, when your bar clear up, your mind clears clarity. up as well. Clarity. Clarity. It, it clears up as well. It's clarity straight across the board. And I thought... We all need medicine. This is an awful take, but fuck it. I'm going out with this. Hold they on. All, they do, all need, we but, all need medicine. But, dog, no, no, no. I don't even think it's an awful take, though. Because when you think that literally is the foundation for what their whole subculture is... Their subculture, if they had more opportunities and more social interaction with either the fairer sex or whatever sex that they're into, you could look up what it is. It basically tells you that they would not have these same kind of mental issues. Now let's get into the movie. Let's get into (laughs) Always gals. Jesus Christ, how is it always gals? Anyway, into the movie. Send in the clown. DC sent in the clown. And boy, did they need to. They they really needed to. We're going to get into the business aspect of it after we actually talk about the movie. So, Joaquin Phoenix comes in. From the moment he's on the screen, I think one of the things that I took away was that this movie is Joaquin Phoenix. He's in almost every, every single scene. Si- every yeah. single scene. And he had to be, and I know that it had to be arduous process for him. He had to be locked in the entire time. And for you to... Watch something like this. It's a character study, but for a 2019 comic book film, that is not a normal thing. Like, us watching that, that was not a normal thing because in the theater, it came to me, he's in every scene. This is a lot, one, for him. Two, can the movie sustain this? Can the movie sustain... It's equivalent to, um, I don't know, a pitcher pitching for maybe 14 innings. 
it's equivalent to a quarterback playing three overtimes, and it's a running quarterback. It's equivalent to six overtime. That's what it was like. I was like, Joaquin, again, 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 and he had to, he had to do the laugh. He had to do the thing where he had to give people the card. Were you tempted to? I know Halloween. One people are gonna dress up as Joaquin, but then they're also no. Nah, they can get their ass beat. They get their uh, ass beat. I mean, beat. that's <laughs> it's one of those so things like, like Halloween. Shut the fuck up. Certain things you don't fuck with with Halloween. One is blackface, and now this year we'll be whiteface. Because if you dress like a clown and you're around fucking, you, I mean, you, you're gonna get fucked up. But okay, for me, for me going into it, right? Joker has. Again, gonna show the the comic book nerd part, but Joker has always been one of the most polarizing and thought provoking characters all across comics, and I think the the fact that him and Batman are so socially intertwined and, and so connected, it's because there was there was realism in it. Neither one of them have superpowers. Both of them f- needed each other to thrive. Both of them actually found out that they needed each other to survive. Both of their sanity was tied with each other, but for all of our life, we have heard this story through the prism of Batman. Like, it's always been from Batman's perspective, because that's the way it is. When we were first introduced to this stuff, it was pretty much cookie cutter, eat your vegetables, good guy on the right, bad guy on the left, good guy is going to win in the end no matter what happens. But the culture and television has strayed away from that. Like, you saw sopranos breaking bad everything became more about the anti-hero and because the superhero genre has has grown so massive and you've told all of those stories ad nauseum now you have to tell the stories about the villains so So, i think the joker is kind of well actually i think thanos was the introduction to that but now you see joker is a movie where it's fully concentrated on that so one i I don't think thanos was interested because remember thanos comes after heath ledger joker but well yeah that's true so but I want to get to like what was the what happened in the actual movie and just the plotting and the pacing because this was an origin story for Joker that we hadn't seen before. Um, there were shades and they borrowed from the comics and from graphic novels from the Killing Joke, uh, from the Dark Knight Returns a little bit. But so he has he's with his mom and he's taking care of his mom and for one of the very first scenes we see um, with the Joker and his interaction with his mom he has a hallucination where he believes that he is um with the talk show host and the talk show host is talking, talking directly to him and then it pulls back so then i think that's todd phillips first signal to us is like some of what you see is not going to be real and you have to be prepared to say okay while this is still going to be in and i'm back in the real world now while this could still be influential for the purpose of the film and for the purpose of the joker oranges origin story this might not be real. And they also wanted it to be ambiguous, though. I think that's that's what he was going for, particularly down the line toward the end. You needed an air of ambig- ambiguity to it because as he questions his sanity, Todd Phillips wanted you to question your sanity, too, because you you can't tell what's real and what's not. Because, okay, so then we, and I'm, of course, spoiler. So the chief um, person who, like, we get to see question how joker views reality because remember we're seeing every scene almost from the eyes of the joker and was when his inter- interaction um with the the female lead i forget what was her name her real name i just followed her on she's earl's girlfriend <laughs> she's domino in uh deadpool yeah, shouts to marvel um the gal from atlanta everyone's gal 
she looks like a girlfriend. She, but she looks like the girlfriend. She looks like the girlfriend. Shouts to Macbeth, but she looks like the girlfriend. Right. If anyone, if anyone looks like a girlfriend, she looks like a girlfriend. So she just is making casual conversation with him, and then, <sighs> and then she does like the gun to the head and Zazi. Right, that's it. Zazi beats. She does the gun to the head and Joker. Um, Arthur Fleck, he remembers that. That's ingrained in his head. And then he has this entire fake and made-up world that he has with her. He, and he has an entire fantasy. And for, okay, if you're a regular person, you could fantasize what your life would be like with someone if you were with them. And it's just like an offshoot thought in your head. If you're someone who has a serious mental illness, and they bring up mental illness early in the film, yeah. they have his discussion Second with scene, his, right away. The discussion with the therapist... They have the talk about his diary and him him bringing it in, the social worker. And then, so all of a sudden, that's the backdrop. We already know that there's something mentally wrong with him. And then they introduce the, okay, he hallucinates and, well, not hallucinates. He has another reality that he can go to in his head while he's still in the real world. And then we introduce her. And then you see his interaction with her. He follows her. And she responds positively to the stalking. That's... (laughs) That's the thing, though. For somebody that had the kind of mental illness and uh, social disorders that he had, she didn't even have to do much. The fact that he gets nothing positive from anyone in the world at any point, whether it's whether it's at home, whether it's at work, he doesn't receive anything positive. So the fact that she did the bare minimum, which is smile at him in the elevator and not even small talk, but... Just do this kind gesture. gesture. Yeah, just do that small gesture. That was enough for him to take that shit and run with it. Because to him, nobody has shown me anything positive, particularly a woman. So this is broaching whole new territory, and he did not know how to handle that. The only woman he'd been in contact with was his mother. And so one, and I think the, the chief thing that Phillips and everyone is talking about mental illness, but I think that Phillips is talking about mental illness under the guise of capitalism and how in a capitalist society people will not care about people who necessarily are not in the same class as them and that 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 was sorry that was stated very early on because when he goes to see the social worker for the second time because that was also one of the bedrocks of his routine maybe he wasn't taking it as seriously as he should have been but you could tell that that was that was something that was important to him because having those moments with the social worker, even though she, he said she didn't listen and she asked the same thing every time, that was one of the few people in the world that would actually sit and talk to him. So when that was taken away and the social worker said, they don't give a shit about people like you, they don't give a shit about people like me, it's the elites against us. So she basically framed that for him and that was the foundation for everything else that went on in the movie. And so they... Like, with that as a backdrop and as a foundation, then it comes to the scene where, and I, I said this, that you probably laughed when he got hit in the face with the sign. I laughed I, many times. I know. Like, like this is, there's, <laughs> laughing at inappropriate times. With the Bahamian audience, the amount of laughter in the theater. If, my coworker Shari, who I It was too many similarities with, between me and Arthur Fleck for my liking. Shari, I gotta tell you. Shari just would, like, point to the screen and say, this nigga fucking crazy and then cackle in the theater and it worked with the movie so well yeah. it's like yeah you needed that you needed that yeah. kind of insight like that he, 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 he is sorry C- commits crime dressed as a clown 
Uh, that nigga fucking crit. You know what? I almost want to go watch with her again. Just for those exact same reactions. So mental illness and, and wealth inequality were the backdrop. And then, so as he has the gun. So, and I, I have to say this. So the gun was given to him by a co-worker, a fellow clown. Um, that's straight from Taxi Driver. And this movie borrows heavily from Taxi Driver. And I think we're going to... From we, several movies. And, well, Taxi Driver, I think, is the main one. And I think that that's the thing that's going to hold us back from winning the Oscar. Because there's, it's, I believe it's one thing to pay homage to something. But then when you take almost entire plot points and entire settings... You, you think this is why Scorsese came out so strong against a well, superhero Scorsese, film? We're going to get to that later. Okay. But I think Scorsese was... He's the producer on this. And oh. this is the first time that... Um, so him and Bradley Cooper were producers... And he has a vested interest in this doing well and this being. Oh, so his thing was just Marvel then? Of, uh, no, no, no. It was all of it. Because he means. Because you got. Oh, shit. You're supposed to talk about the movie. But for him to. For them to get DC Dark going, they have to build momentum. And DC Dark would be a reaction to everything that you're doing, DC, already isn't working. So now let's go in this direction. So that's part of it. It wasn't just Marvel based. It's a. This is how you beat Bill Belichick. You have to, like take the ball out of Tom Brady's hand and run the ball and then he only has one or two tries. So that's I think that's where they were thinking. But okay. So back to the movie. So the the I think wealth inequality and the mental illness part is married in the first murder that he commits. So he's on the train, these um rich bankers are talking shits and he he's trying to like deflect and they're harassing this woman. And because Arthur Fleck is a good guy. And I think that's maybe part of the reason that Todd Phillips got some pushback. It's like when you frame it as he's putting himself in danger and saving this woman uh, so she can get away. And then then they like they come at him. But I didn't I honestly didn't. OK, I didn't him. I didn't see it like that. OK, wait. So so then they come at him. He gets into a tussle with them and then he ends up uh, shooting them for the first time from the gun he's carrying. That's when he commits his first murder. So how did you see it? Well, the opening scene is very important because you have to realize his thought process and why the gun was needed in the first place. He just got jumped and got his ass beat. So if that's fresh in your mind and then somebody gives you a gun to say, hey, the next time this happens to you, you have to protect yourself. Or he didn't even want the gun. It was basically forced upon him. And if you just got jumped a week before, he was legit just sitting on that he was sitting on that train, minding his own business. Life continued to be in shambles as usual. Yeah, these were dudes that came from a place of privilege and they have this aura where they believe they're entitled to everything and so they think they're entitled to the woman. They could have just left that alone. As we know, he wasn't laughing because he thought anything was funny. He was laughing because he was probably nervous. He was yeah, probably but, scared. Okay, so, but I don't think he was saving her. He was just there. Wait, wait, wait. He didn't but know I how think, to escape that situation. I think um, so. So we read it differently. But I, I think there's two things. Like one of the things that the movie was trying to communicate to society at large is one: you're complicit if you do nothing. If you sit back and do nothing and let people suffer. And then you get what you deserve, which is one of the lines that he gives right before um, he does the, you know, penultimate, like, gunshot to the head. So the you get what you deserve thing is kind of in play there. And I think that there were um, moments in the in in the subway with the woman. She and Arthur kind of make eye, con- eye contact, and it's with her eyes she's communicating, like, please. Like, it's not necessarily um, laid out in the scene where she actually says it. 
but with their eyes and that that quick glance at each other. And Arthur, like, kind of his eyes also have a, a quick his facial expression changes, and then the laugh starts, and then he gets attention away from her. And as soon as that starts, then she gets up and walks walk away. And I think that again, that's part of where a lot of the criticism is coming from because Arthur is framed in uh, guys uh, or in a light of. He has to do these things, and these things are being hoisted and pushed upon him when we also know that supervillains and villains kind of are proactive in their attempt. Be like, no, yeah. I want to do this shit. No, agreed. But then we also have to remember this is an origin story. To this point, he's not a supervillain yet. This no. is telling us how he became These are that, his first three how, murders. How he became desensitized to this stuff. And I must say, the Shari laugh, him running away. Oh. All of his running is just fucking. No, 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 no. I'm the, sorry. No, the best part is when the dude was trying to get away, and he walked him down with the gun with the big floppy clown shoes. That part I laughed out loud at. That was great because that shit was funny. That was uh, great. That was lie. funny. Okay, and then so this is why I say that the whole the this is the entire thesis of the movie, and I think that again because a lot of people are saying things about like how great the script is. I'm like, you know, it's settled now. Because he doesn't, I think, like, Todd Phillips doesn't get into one. He doesn't dive into any area fully. He Maybe mental illness, I believe, he kind of touch, touches on. And then the wealth inequality kind of touches on. And the wealth inequality was also a theme in the last Batman that we saw. So he kind of brings it up, but he doesn't explain, one, why there's, like, mass revolution in the city. He just kind of hints at Thomas Wayne and I puts think- him out there. And has Thomas Wayne say the clown comment, but then he doesn't describe, I think, everything else that's going on in the city because, again, this is a character study that focuses mainly on just Arthur. But this whole scene then ultimately culminates culminates with him going to Zazie and then knocking on her door, fresh off of murder, and then fucking her that night. I mean, because at that point he was living, right? At that point he'd never been more alive. But I also think they wanted you to come in with some background knowledge of what life was like in new york in the 1970s and knowing that it was a city well i said some the... verses and niggas told me that i couldn't say that yeah, but, I mean, and you now you want them to have background knowledge of new york in, in the 1970s ni- it was a city on the brink of crumbling like <laughs> there was social unrest new york was about to go bankrupt like i know especially our generation we think of this as this bustling metropolis and the greatest city there is in the world but New York was a heap of shit in the 70s. So think about that, and that's the framework where all of this thing is... That's where they're operating from. That's the prism they're looking through. Like, as small as it is, but his social work programs getting cut was just a tip of the iceberg. The fact that nobody in that city was getting anything they want other than the elites, well, that's really what it was like. That's what it's like now. Yeah. I mean, you gotta watch Succession. In Succession, they had a... And it was worse then, though. It's pretty bad now, but right. I, it, in succession, there's a line in, in this recent episode where they say, um, ha- "Having five million do- million dollars, you're basically the poorest rich person." And the guy goes, "That is just nothing but problems," because these are billionaires talking about it. This would be the equivalent. Succession is like the equivalent of the Murdochs talking about stuff like this, and it made you made, it makes you sit down and think. This is what they think about the rest of the world. Yeah, all of those people who you like, you send these memes and these. You like these Instagram things about how to become a millionaire or a billionaire. This is what they actually think about the rest of society. So when Thomas Wayne calls everyone else in Gotham a clown, 
this is what the reaction is. But then we have those same things. Like rich people call people broke all the time. They also they also took that as a pull out quote and they ran with it. Though. Yeah, but I'm saying like rich people. Like there's a, a photo of Rihanna saying like she hates broke bitches. Um, but they say that all the time now. Yeah, but and nothing, two million yells and, and nothing happens. But what I'm saying is that that's why I don't feel the movie kind of really fleshes that out. But they did set up the first his first murders to show everything that all the themes of the movie and why the Joker is going to become the Joker. So then um, we get into some some more stuff. Obviously, they investigate the crime. The worst fucking police. The, Jesus Christ. Like, is a and the, the murder. He, they could not make it one episode on SVU. He becomes a vigilante hero because of it. Because now that that murder is now held up as the prime example of framing the us versus them argument. That murder. These are entitled rich white men on the subway uh, doing whatever the fuck they want to people. Yeah. And it was an entire segment of society that said it is time for us to stand up. We don't know who this person is, but this person is the symbol of us standing up. This per- person is the symbol of us fighting back. And like like you said, one of the major themes in the movie. But <laughs> he, the fact that he did not expect that outpouring of what do you want to call it? It was almost an outpouring of they, gratitude from society that they, he did it. Yeah, and. That was the first time in his life he'd ever experienced anything like that. Because when you think about it, he was at the bottom rung in the clown company. He was at the bottom rung of trying to be a stand-up comedian. But this, at this point in his life, this was the first thing that he did that he ever got any admiration for. And then, okay, so he then tries to help his mother out, right? And he sees that she's getting sicker. And so, so what does he do? He reads a letter where it's revealed to him, he thinks... That he is Bruce Wayne's, that he is Thomas Wayne's son, and then decides to go to Wayne Manor and visit his dad. In again, a hilarious scene. Again, a scene we we're not sure if that's actually real. Yeah. Because he goes and Bruce is directly there. Bruce slides down the pole, you know, back cave style. He's there and then lets this strange man puts his hands in his mouth. Pause. Like, what are you doing, Bruce, at this moment? What 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 are you thinking? And then Alfred shows up. Alfred who we comic book people know alfred um special forces yeah alfred is a goddamn secret agent so then alfred is my six arthur fleck goes up to special forces alfred and pulls him and roughs him up through the gate is then again is he is this real or is he just seeing this in his mind is this all playing out in his mind you know what i don't know there were t- Honestly, I varied as I was sitting there in the movie in between whether this is something that's actually happening or this is something that's just happening in his head. Because I thought the same thing as I sat there. I was like, did he really just roll up on, on Wayne Manor like that? And then I connected. Wayne Manor, no security. And then I connected it to You can't get later. into life with key like that. <laughs> no, we tried. And then I connected it later on with when he actually, you know, introduces himself to Thomas Wayne in the bathroom. And I'm like, is this actually happening? Like how much of this just occurred in his head? And how much of this did he actually go and play out? Because part of the Joker's origin stories is that it's supposed to be multiple choice, right? So they can get away with a Joker too, that doesn't rely anything on what happened in this film based by saying this all happened in his head. There are several. Arthur Fleck is not the only Joker. So then he's, he's mad at his mom. His mom um, never told him about this. So, Okay, so then we now see their clown riots but, happening. Arthur Fleck then somehow walks straight through the crowd, 
gets into this opera house and then gets this whole Bellboy outfit and walks to the middle. Have you ever been to a dolphin game and then tried to go down one? Like one we, rung? Listen. Been to a heat game and tried to go down one. Arthur Fleck walked right there. This summer we Cinema were Sins at... Cinema is going to have a feel there. This, this summer we were at the Breers and National game and every time Kaizen tried to walk down and his teammates tried to walk down uh, a few steps mm-hmm. closer to the infield, they got ran the fuck by. Yeah, that makes sense. But, I mean, hey, the Joker has always been really good at going incognito, though. Even though he <laughs> looks nothing like anybody else that's working there. And you would assume that with Gotham Elite there, that there nigga, would be security. And given the fact that there's rioting outside, there would be heightened security. But, I ain't like, got to give that nigga a meal plan. No, honestly, with him him being that skinny, I was like, oh, this real Joker. Now, I ain't gonna lie, that's the first thing I thought when he was sitting on there at the locker trying to pry the shoe open, and he was like this super gangly, I don't eat enough skinny. I was like, oh, this that about to be, to be really I mean, crazy. This is part of like, see, so maybe a, you could get a, a Oscar nomination for direction, for cinematography. Just maybe not for writing, but like the direction of cinematography, wherever they put that camera, whatever height he had it at, that where Joaquin did this with the emaciated look he had made him look non-human. And it was like a transformation is happening where he's becoming non-human. And that reminded me just now of a scene in Red Dragon where the serial killer in that is saying he's transforming into a dragon. And his each murder makes him more and more a dragon. And each time Arthur Fleck has a laughing episode, he became more and more of the Joker. And even the stand-up, his stand-up routine where the volume cuts out. And who invites a gal to watch them, like, bomb shit like that? Anyway. I mean, he didn't think he could bomb. He thought he... I mean, did he think he was going to... Yeah, he it? thought he was going to do good. He's a delusional, crazy but person. Then, he okay, thought that was going to work. They cut it so we don't get to hear any more of his jokes. And then that comes back up later in the film. So so you have a moment like that we're not sure is real. And then you have a moment with Bruce Wayne. In the, with Bruce, I keep Thomas. saying Bruce. Thomas yeah. Wayne. Thomas Wayne in the bathroom punches him in the nose punches him in the nose and he's bleeding out and then he has to walk back out and that that gets his anger going once again once again he's defenseless yeah and so and so that that had me thinking about it too like all of these different steps where you see the slow creep and the descent into madness well those ones had to be real right because you could see the points where he was fighting it and he even mentioned it where uh his co-workers came to see him when he committed murder number four he mentioned that he stopped taking the medication mm-hmm. and all bets were off then. Like you could tell there was a change into behavior. He just, he gave into whatever it was he was fighting. He gave into it. So, so there was murder number four. There was often mom because mom was the only person that actually gave a shit about him. But when he figured for somebody that, and, and there was a line that he gave at her bedside that really made you go fucking wow. When he said, I don't know if, he rem- if he said I've not had one happy moment in my entire life like for some reason when he said that line I was like shit like, yeah. this nigga almost has no choice but to be this So, so again, and that's it right there I think that's what a lot of people who were bristling at this movie did not want the audience to walk away with that he had no choice but to turn into this because that is kind of the refrain you see in a lot of manifestos where the guys say everything in my life has been leading up to this moment. And I think, again, what the movie kind of showed me or what was communicated to me was that the need for kindness and civility. Yeah. Where no one was kind or civil to him 
through much of this movie, and even when he goes to Only someone like... Only his little Irish friend. When he goes to someone like Thomas Wayne, <laughs> he just wants some kindness. Like, there's a way Thomas Wayne could have turned him down where it couldn't have been that, but in his head, he was like, you fuck with my kids. So I mean, yeah, that, I, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, in yeah. that moment, you want Thomas Wayne to be civil, but I also... You realize that, hey, the backstory is there was this crazy fucking woman that was harassing me for a while, and her crazy fucking son rolled up on my house, and now he's just in here in the bathroom with me. He could hurt my kid. So, like, I... I, You ain't hurting fucking I brought it up because the same time people are pushing back on this narrative that he's, like, kind of a Robin Hood of evil, or he had no choice but to become this, why aren't people taking the message that maybe we should be more kind and more civil to each other... And then people won't turn it <laughs> because this. we don't live in a society that is kind or civil or yeah, believes in that. The so, entire basis so of the social, one, the the entire basis of social media is you find some shit to make fun at and you hammer that home until that person can't take it anymore. There is no kindness and civility. The and fuck? then if something offends you, then you just yeah. go at it a hundred miles that's, per hour. That's all it is, like, bro. Yes, yeah, they so not... get you mad and you can just talk with that all day. All fucking day. So... Let's see what other... Oh, okay. I have a question for you now. At any point watching that, did you think, oh, shit, they doing the whole him and Batman is half-brothers thing? Or did yeah. you believe that... Or did you believe... I got mad. I got mad. I got upset. Like, when they when they started trending toward that, when he read that letter, I literally said... The person next to me looked at me. When he read that letter, Thomas Wayne is your father, blah, 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 I said, oh, come the fuck on. Like, okay. I said that. So, that was there was a rumor... That Todd Phillips was doing that. I yeah. don't know if you knew this. Yeah, so yeah, before yeah. the movie comes out, there's a rumor that this half brother thing, and a lot of people were were saying, "Nah, that's not gonna happen." The way they did it, I really enjoyed because it had you thinking. I didn't. Are they doing this shit? And then when they said, "No, we're not doing that shit," yeah, like, "Nah, nah, this is not happening." But then I also thought, as sitting between uh, Shari and Andrew, gals, you mean this? She lying on him? <laughs> I said this right now. She lying on Thomas Wayne. If you're gonna lie on anyone. Lie on billionaires. That's the person to lie on. That's the person to lie on. I, I mean, it is also very important to show to show that he came from. I mean, he was raised by somebody who was n- not stable mentally, and he was raised by somebody that allowed abuse to happen in his life. So, so then, uh, Paperboy shows up. He gets the file. And I was so sees, happy for him. I was happy, Paperboy. Like, yo, what do you think him and Zazie was doing offset? Just getting his bag for Just no reason. His, I know no, she. She had a role. Paperboy was in that for one No, scene. no, no. I, I know they was listening to Freddie Gibbs on set. Be like, of course he was. And I know Joaquin knew who Freddie Gibbs was. Joaquin was a rapper. I know he was a rapper. I, want, the, I want these people to know Joaquin was a rapper. He knows this This shit. nigga takes this stuff so seriously. Okay, so so while, they, while they on set listening to, to Gibbs, right? Um, I thought, yeah, okay, this guy lying on him. Uh, and then they, they laid that out. But then they gave you another twist. After he murders his mom, he finds a picture with T-W. the TW on the back. Now, there, there could be several things in this. Again, she could have written that. She could have written that because it's been established that, that she's, she's a delusional crazy. person. Look at what he thought he had a whole relationship with his like mental illness. Why couldn't she just write TW on the back of it? Point one, Option one. Option two. Thomas is fucking that. Yeah. But Thomas was fucking that, also, but he was pulling out. Also, and he's like, wait, I me. I was about to say, also, just because Thomas was fucking her does not mean that that's his kid. We all know. We have, we have a friend. Um, 
Whoa. We, we're not, we're not we're going to say this. Um, okay. He always has this theory that crazy pussy is the best pussy. Oh, Jesus Christ. And we all push back on that vehemently. Nobody. Uh, I don't know about vehemently. We all push back on that. But it's no, like, no, no, no. no. We all no. push back You know what on it that. is, dog? No, no, no. It's everything surrounding it. That is no better like your life than is the good. Yes, that's what it is. All that is is the pheromones acting up and causing a chemical imbalance in our brains. It is not better than good Th- girl Thomas, Thomas Wayne not. put that to the test, I believe. I don't believe he's his father. I believe Thomas Wayne was fucking. I don't think a pussy was no better than Martha's just because she was crazy, though. Well, Martha ain't had one speaking line inside this movie. All she did was get shot. So, oh, wait. So, after all that shit, R. Batman Martha and Wayne. Superman, Martha ain't even got a fucking line in this movie. Anyway, I'm going to keep going on. See, this, Andrew, this is what you get for not showing up to this podcast because now it's just. Anyway. DC niggas. Unreliable. Unreliable. They get one little hint of success and look at them. Go and take in a victory lap. Been getting beat over the head for a decade and a half. <laughs> hey, now remember when the Dolphins beat the Patriots with the Wildcat? Yes, that's what it is. That's what, this is. That's what it is. This is their Wildcat. They get their Dolphin. I mean, they get their Patriot win. Fine. You're two and fourteen. You're two and fourteen. So back to Thomas Wayne. Fucking it. Me and Andrew actually had this conversation. Our billionaire is a different species. At this point, like if you were born, I think we always used to think that about if you were kids. born a billionaire. And that is all you know. Are you the same necessarily as a human? And I, and I mean, like, we have so many things in pop culture that display the life that they have is completely different. Kendall Jenner posted a picture of a $3 million Bugatti and had to take it down because everyone went under her comments and, like, uh, went at her. Which, by the way, I thought why? that was... Wait, why? Because they were saying, like, oh, there's starving children, blah, blah, blah. Or, like, all the horrible but things. But they were just praising her for being the youngest no, self-made but, billionaire. Right, but all the horrible like things going on. And this is how quickly the narrative changes. That was last year. This is this year. So all of these horrible things going on, there could be a better use of this money. And I think that people are getting just exhausted by billionaire, millionaire capitalism and being able to see how people spend their money. I mean, they did that to her. Would they do that to fucking, I don't think they are. They, they, would they do that to the baby when he has, like, all his jewelry on or when these rappers Yeah, but that shit money? ain't real wealth, though. That yeah. shit ain't that expensive. So, like, when she does it, yeah, it's, that, like, a different that, level of it. I think, that, and we all know, the baby and all... The reason why you could look at hip-hop and all of those dudes differently is we know is somebody paying them. It's real wealth behind that. So you don't look at them as... They're not the poster children of capitalism. They're not the ones feeding the system. They're cogs in the system. So now we come to the climactic scene. So the last 20 minutes. So I, I'd listened to um, Beyond the Trailer, the non-spoiler review. And she was like, Joker doesn't show up until the last 20 minutes. Last 20 minutes of this movie. Maybe the last 40 minutes, I would say, of this movie are why people are calling this a masterpiece. I think it was slow and plodding at the beginning, but this last 40 minutes kind of makes up for everything. Well, I I don't know about the specific timing, but I think from the moment he kills his mom onward. From the moment he kills his mom onward, he recognizes, wait, my relationship with Zazie is not real. And he probably kills her and maybe her daughter in that moment. And then he kind of, he fridges himself. So it's like the the death of Arthur Fleck in that moment. So... In comic books, they call it because I think it's the Ant-Man story where um, this idea of fridging a female character. So you have a female character's death that just uh, 
just as opposed to push the story of the male character forward. So that it determines it, it's fridging, it's coming, it's from comic books. So anytime that a female character dies in a particularly violent way, but has no overall like movement towards the plot other than how it serves the male character, they call it fridging. When I saw him put himself in the, in the fridge, fridge. And he's I was literally like, fridging himself. He's literally fridging himself. This nigga is crazy in the words of yeah. Shari. And then the scene. The scene where I think is up there it's gonna be up there for scene of the year. Oh. When um our little friend and then his coworker who gave I'm him the so gun happy. come in. I'm so happy he made it. Uh, I'm so happy, man. Because no, it was so. It seemed like he had already killed four people up to that point. Oh, he was four determined. Whoever answered that when he picked up the scissors and put it in his pocket, whoever answered the door was getting it. No, but I'm saying that he had killed four people that we saw on screen up to that point. Mm-hmm. But that murder, when he killed his friend with the scissors and stabbed him in the eye, that seemed like the first murder to me. Because it like was the first. Violence. It was the first gruesome kill. the The first three, it was by mistake. You pulling the trigger. There is something No, but then he much... killed his mom. No, 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 like I know, but yeah. then that's smothering her with a pillow. That's not a gruesome, that's... violent kind of crime. Well, look, you've never been smothered. It's much more intimate to stab somebody in the eye and in the Shouts neck. To and then repeat... <laughs> Jick. And then, and then to... I, I watched that and I was like, why does this seem so violent? Fuck, I'm all right. And then repeatedly bust their shit against a wall until their brains are splattered uh, all yeah. over the place. That is a different kind of kill, and that was the first one of those that we saw. That's why that one was different. That one was different. He was that determined was to do that shit. was an amazing scene. Everything about that scene was perfect. And then it was funny. Because then we saw, like, the little dude in the corner. was like, oh, God. Oh, God. In that moment, I was sitting on the edge of my seat thinking, what the fuck would I do in that moment? When it, 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 it went quiet. And he was just, like, wailing, screaming, why did you do that, Arthur? Why did you do that? And then, it, like, the whole theater was quiet. And I just was laughing, like, Okay. And I tried to muffle it. You and I'm are like, watching. why am I laughing? At Everyone this? in our theater was was laughing at this shit. Was like, this is amazing. This is it. This is why we paid our money to come and it's watch. It's just this. hearing him say, "Why'd you do it? Why'd you do it?" All? And I'm then like, is he fucking crazy? When he lets him go, and then he reaches up, and he and he couldn't reach the lock. <laughs> Niggas lost it at that point. I think people got up and laughed, stumped. And was like, no fucking way. This is not how this man is going to die. Go ahead. Wait, because... <laughs> yeah, see, look at this nigga. Niggas ain't shit, but I tell you. You know what's so funny about it, right? After he tried the first two times and realized he wasn't going to get it. You, you was going to stop trying? No. No, it, but it's like... You've been trying to dunk for five years. You would still be jumping. Ah, uh, motherfucker. But it's like his shoulders slumped. And when he realized he had to ask Arthur to get him out, it's like he resigned himself to the fact that I am going to die right now just for being a little person. How fucked up is that? I had to suffer all the jokes my entire life. All this bullshit and is literally going to get me killed. I have to say, if there's a Joker too, he needs to be in it and he needs to be one of the Joker's henchmen. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the first Batman, the 1989 uh, one, I'm sure that he had little people as his henchmen in that. I, I think feel like I I'm distinctly re- remember remembering little people that, doing like, that. Correctly. So after that moment, he becomes fully the Joker. He gets this suit from I don't know where. He does not look that sharp anywhere else in the movie. So again, could be a hallucination. Yeah, but you know, everybody mom is getting them. Like, could that be him projecting. So something. okay, so he put on his Easter clothes and he has on That's his, what it was. his makeup and his hair is green and he does the dance down the steps, which will be memed and gift forever and have countless songs put that behind dance it. That's his shit. That's his shit, dog. That's his. Uh, that's his Millie Rock. 
That's his snap music. When he was doing it too. That's when he reached for shake the laffy taffy. Boy, that's Joker. That's Joker. Just, that's Joker. That right was there. that was Joker, and then the police show up. The worst. Hold on, and they watch him dance for like three real minutes. Like they watch him dance for 180 seconds, and then scream his name. Like what? I Why just, did he just run up on him and grab this him? This is a full. Um, this is a pro tip for the police. Stabler wasn't doing that shit. If you see someone in full clown makeup in a suit with a different color hair and they dancing, maybe they committed three murders. Uh, five. Easy. <laughs> At least five. At least five. At least five if you're watching that. Then they, they chase him and then they lose him. And Because uh, we had seen the mask before, but that's when we really saw people wearing the mask and then committing, like, fighting and committing, like, real violence. In that moment, I turned to Andrew in the theater and said, they can't sell that mask for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Like... No, that, I said that very early on in this. Like, blackface and whiteface are treated the same as all of No, no, not the makeup. The actual, no, I know what like, you mean. The little mask, the little that mask with the green are hair. People going to be buying for five dollars. Yeah, boy. Yeah, and the thing, the shit is, we have we grew up seeing that that thing. Like, that wouldn't be anything out of out of the ordinary. But now it has a different connotation. And now this, this is such a dangerous mask? and subversive film. <laughs> so stupid. So then, okay. So Look then we come, we come to the moment um, that I think most Batman fans recognize with the Joker going on this talk show, and it doesn't play out that exact same way. But and then, if you watch King of Comedy, you had like a little bit of taste in your head of where this. You is knew where go. it was going. Yeah. Is this one? Is this real? Two. The Joker delivers some really, really great and telling lines in this one. Um, when Mark Maron and Robert De Niro come to him in the dressing room and he's he's just like, call me Joker because you call me Joker. Yeah. And it's not like he didn't call himself Joker. That's what you called me. And he says his speech and he confesses about the murders that he committed and he says, why? And he he goes into a little bit of the, the chaos line that the Heath Ledger Joker was saying about how if someone you expect to be murdered dies, everyone goes on. The only reason you move is when it's someone you don't expect but now, and I got this from Beyond the Trailer, Grace pointed this out, but now it's an entire class of people who, if you are not um, upper middle class, at the very least, your death kind of doesn't mean death anything doesn't other than a hashtag or a conversation piece for people. Not just your death, your life doesn't Your life anything. doesn't matter. So, right, and he says... And uh, he was going there kind of like to kill himself. That was his plan, to kill yeah, himself originally, cause on he, TV. Yeah, originally, because he'd been previewing that the entire time while he was sitting there going through his rehearsal. He was going to deliver the knock-knock joke and decided that he was going to kill himself, but... And now it becomes, these are more people who just aren't nice to me. Mm-hmm. More people who are just like really, really mean to me. And he was like, fuck this. Now I'm going to lean into what the Joker is. You know what my biggest takeaway from all of this is? Be nice to all these crazy fucking people, because you never know. Are people nice to create? What is the dude who's be downtown who gals is always putting their snaps? Jeremy. Jeremy. People just be nice to Jeremy, or they just like say, Jeremy, don't fuck with me. Do people I be think, nice I to think, like random homeless people on the side of the street? I think um, that's a good See, question. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's why that's more so, I think, the message I was getting from Todd Phillips. And I believe, and this is my, this is the hottest take I have. I believe that the reason that the Joker was getting a lot of pushback in how, like, the violence was uh, displayed was solely because the critics who were 
making these criticism were mainly white critics who are adjacent to wealth. They know a lot of wealthy people. They're people coming from the demographic they're, that's being quote-unquote attacked. Right. And even if they're not there, that's their aspiration. Their aspiration yeah, you is be to in get there. there. Everybody... So then they think everything is wrong about what the Joker is doing or how this is portrayed because they feel like it's an attack on them. And that's why they have a negative reaction because they haven't had to come from like a middle class or from a... Or from the below the poverty line, they never had to come up in that way. They don't have friends in in that area, so that's why they feel that this is more dangerous because they want the world to keep going on as it is. They don't feel that there's a need for uh, some change in status or some change in society. Everything about America and capitalism teaches you that you aspire to be Thomas Wayne, yeah. and Thomas Wayne became the 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 poster child for what they were fighting and what they were rebelling against. And when you use Thomas Wayne, you don't have to worry about people shit. Why would you? We, yeah. The only the only way he placed himself in danger is by him saying he was going to run for mayor. If think about it, if you just a normal rich ass person just running your business and your your conglomerate, your monopoly or whatever and you don't enter into public life, you never come in contact with any of that shit. Mm-hmm. You're not subjected to any of that shit. Mm-hmm. You sit in in your penthouse and you just live your life he chose to come down and and make himself available for that but there are dozens of other people like think of the entire court of owls inside batman thing Mm -hmm. none of them would be subjected to any of that because they're not trying to be a part of public life so it, it was it was the juxtaposition of him and the joker but like you said earlier it was all of gotham it's holding the mirror up to all of society and showing you that this problem is bigger than just the joker yeah the joker became the voice that's leading this but it's an entire city rebelling yep yep so we come now to when he in order to like spark the real rebellion and the real riot he shoots robert de niro in the fucking face Mm -hmm. on live tv because they couldn't cut from live tv then at that time what did you? What was your reaction when that first happened? How did you feel? I knew I, I knew he was gonna shoot him um, when he started. As soon as he said, "And you know what? You're mean." Yeah, I knew he was gone from there. He's like, you it was just back back. it was just a matter of time of how he was gonna say it, and the way he delivered that line. This is what you fucking get when when he started the 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 final soliloquy when he got into the saying what he is and how he became what he is and how society helped determine because i don't want to put everything on society obviously some of it is choice by him Mm -hmm. but how society helped to turn him to what he is and he says this is what you're gonna get that to me it was the second most powerful scene in the movie i still think him at his mother's deathbed saying i haven't had one happy moment in my entire life i still think that was the most powerful one this is second because right after that we see the only happy moment that he had when he was on top of that cop car and well, if it actually happened when he was on top of the cop car and mm-hmm. all of the minions were basically surrounding so him and he the was embracing that it. He started. Yeah, that was his one happy moment in life. And then they saved him. And then he has the Jesus pose on top of the car. Yeah. Like, okay, hey, DC, a Jesus pose that work. Good job. So <laughs> he has a Jesus pose on the top of the car, and then um, they they're like, okay, you're the guy. You're our hero now. And then we have the cutaway to. Um, the guy who ultimately kills the wings, and then we have the Batman origin story. Joe Chill is kind of shoehorned in, and it's not like really. Um, I guess it's not really. 
They found a great way to tie that in, though. It wasn't important to the storyline yeah, for yeah, this, yeah. but they found a good way to tie it in because okay. there was, it was chaos happening everywhere. And they set the precedent that random murders are going down. Yeah. This just happened to be one of those random murders. And it's a random no, murder. No, Thomas so Wayne now... is fucking dumb because... <laughs> okay, no, go, go. I no, Thomas you. Wayne is fucking dumb because everything that's going on and you are the person, like, you are the guy that everybody wants to get. They are protesting against you. Once again, Thomas Wayne, no security. No security. Where's security? You rich at least have, the God don't even go nowhere without at security. At least have your security is killed on the way, and then that happens. Your son is there. You don't have security for Bruce? That little nigga, he dumb as fuck. Hey, thank God for Alfred. And I also think, though, and to a lot of people that talked about the critics, I mean, to a lot of the critics that talked about what this would inspire and um, people would become followers of this kind of ideology... Again, coming from a comic book person kind of perspective, you always kind of assume that was in place, right? Because every one of these supervillains have henchmen and have people that follow them. Like, real serial killers have this. People that become fans of theirs and write to them while they're in prison, and they kind of become followers of their ideology. That happens with real killers. And that's always been the way that supervillains have been. They've had people that dress like them that follow in line with the way they think and what they do and work for them. That's just always what it's been. And see, this is, I think, different. And Heath Ledger, actually, his Joker kind of changed it because... The Joker was an agent of chaos at one point, but now the Heath oh, Ledger Joker... Greatest Alfred line ever. The Heath Ledger Joker kind of made this uh, a political philosophy. Yeah. And uh, for people who, if you read comic books, you know that this isn't the first time they have been dark. This isn't even one of the no. darker stories. No. But I think this is the first time that a comic book has been... Like, we are in the superhero age. Like... There was a time when there was westerns, and then there were gangster movies that were the movies and that people re- made. And then religious movies. And now it's superhero movies. So since now it's superhero movies, now a bigger spotlight is on when you go something this dark. And now I have to say this. I didn't think it was that dark. I didn't either. I watched this. I, out, I didn't either. I think because of, of what happened, um, because of the way that the stories were told, I was like... I was expe- Honestly, I was expecting like a mass shooting or something, yeah. or mass murders. And when I went in there and I, I saw didn't that, wanna... and I like it happened, I was like, he shot one guy. I... Is this what they were freaking out over? I didn't want to say it because as I was sitting in there, I started counting the bodies and I was like, six? I mean, as bad as that sounds, right? It sounds horrible. And yes, this is just the beginning of what he is going to do. This Martin, is the beginning. When Martin Scorsese uh, directed Taxi Driver, like, and I remember before I saw Taxi Driver, I remember hearing about like the last scene and how that is really, really violent, how that really freaks you out. And then you watch it. And then I watched it, and I was like, that lived up to the shit. Because yeah. they, Martin Scorsese had to change the color gradient on the last scene because Robert De Niro has blood spouting out of his neck and is shooting random people. There's a prostitute involved. That movie was darker. That movie, I think, delved into, and again, this is why I think, because now we're outside of the movie. De Niro, now. by this the way. This is why I think they don't get to win the Oscar because... All the things with the diary, the like there were too many exact taxi driver beats in this movie for the Academy to then watch this. And I think oh, these are the people who gave Green Book the Oscar to then decide, oh, okay, well, then now, okay, yeah. 
it's is it just that Scorsese says if I'm connected to anything, De Niro must be in it, or is he the go-to for anything dealing with craziness, or is it because he's been in three of the four landmark crazy nigga movies that this was based that this on? was based on? I think one, it's three of the fours, and two, it's also um, him and Robert De Niro's boys, like. Yeah. If we going to do something, who we go? If you see a Tarantino movie, Samuel L. Jackson about to be in there. He bitch. could be in there somewhere, yeah. or he could like like Leonardo DiCaprio. He's I like how Tarantino and Scorsese fighting over Leonardo DiCaprio to see, like, you know, because time to like alternate casting. Leonardo DiCaprio is who the studio wanted for Joker, and Todd Phillips says it has to be Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, because if you saw that. Joaquin Phoenix in um, Gladiator, you like uh, maybe Commodus could do it. Yeah. I... I don't Com- see, I don't, with a meal plan, I feel like he get this. Time. I don't see, I don't see Leo being that hated or Leo embracing all that. Though. I mean, he played a slave, <laughs> a slave master. But you're like, wait, he played a slave master, and you're like, this is too much. Hold on, <laughs> you think they hate a slave? <laughs> it's America. They don't hate all the slave masters. That's what true. are you talking about? That's true. <laughs> I don't even know if I everybody watching no, movies no, no, no. saw him as a villain. I bet you there were some white people who was like, I did not know that about black people's skulls. I'm telling you, there's a whole lot of people that watched Django that did not see him as the villain we saw him as. I promise you. Okay. They probably just thought, oh, well, he's the owner of a sports team. They just happened to fight. He ain't no different than Jerry Jones. I mean, I was saying that from Django came out that that was an allegory for um, sports management Mm -hmm. so now let's talk about uh, some of the sports management though this had a 70 million dollar budget and 120 million was spent on advertising oh so while the budget was lower they spent a shit ton on advertising Mm -hmm. so it was still less than Aquaman but not as as low as people thought and it made 93 million dollars the first weekend a huge success they broke the October records right broke the October record broke the um, record for R-rated movies, great success. Now, coming from this perspective, from the comic book's perspective, you let me know how you feel about this. So DC has done two things. One, they've if if true, but I believe that they can backtrack out of this because they can say that a lot of this happened in his mind. One, they've given a Joker an origin story, and part of what made Heath Ledger's origin story or uh, Joker so strong is that he didn't have an origin story because it was multiple choice. So did they shoot? shoehorn themselves in the corner in and that vein it wasn't and it wasn't about him so that made it different right it wasn't it, about it him it was so still about batman that's what, okay so and come to my joker right king that's why i think he is better yeah so, no so no two, he's number one so two and the second thing is for dc you now have committed yourself to dark. i think to going dark because dc has had so many resets i don't believe that they can now go back and go back to what the justice league they had it was so now they have to go dark and here is my issue with them going dark and as gritty as this was because this was really just a crime movie set in new york in the early 80s how do you have fucking superman flying around in this exact same world and i don't think it can happen so now what does dc do but do you have dark and then do you have your just fucking like dc comics thing they are at an impasse and this is what happens when you have to say, okay, we're just going to go four wide all the time against the Patriots and put them to the test. I, I think what it, what it is, they will have to make that decision. And I think those have to be two distinct universes because what we always say about DC is they are great at the superhero films and great at the superhero shows that don't involve superpowers. Yeah. Like they can run the realism. They got that shit down pat. 
anytime you involve lasers and flying and all the other stuff, DC kind of falls off the rails. And I think they do have to go dark, but not only that. So what do they, they have, do with they Superman to, and Green Lantern? They and... have to corner the market on telling the villain stories. Yeah. Telling the but stories then, from the perspective um, of the Sony's villain Sony's coming out with Morbius next year. Jared Leto is playing Morbius from the Spider-Man universe. So that's going to be, I think, the next big villain one. Fox see, fucked up because Fox never gave Magneto the movie they no, were but promising. See, I, but now everyone is going to do it because there, yeah. there are only so many times you can reboot the hero stories. And like we but like we talked about earlier, the anti-hero became a thing. So now the villain is going to become a thing. You have to keep moving the goalposts. I think what happens, and I think the best move for DC, is you just have a Batman universe. You have a Batman universe like, that's to me, real To me, it's clear gritty. that they have to do a real Lex Luthor movie now. Yeah, but again, you have Superman flying around. Without Superman. Before, all, before Superman, because Batman has not arrived yet when we watch this Joker. Mm-hmm. But Lex Luthor turning into what he turned into, because he was that nigga before Superman came flying around. Superman fucked up his plans. Mm-hmm. So how does Lex Luthor become this? Like, that's that's the way I think then, they have to go. I guess, I think that that's what they should really, really lean into and maybe form a, the Legion of Doom first and have the superheroes kind of be the ones who come in later at the end. But then, in that way, everyone would be more invested in the villain characters. I just think that like, that those are two huge decisions for DC, and I don't think that it's a foregone conclusion because while everyone is on online is saying it's simple, yeah, just go dark. How do you just I simply say that when Marvel is out there getting yeah. billions of dollars for <laughs> Captain Marvel sucked and that movie made a billion dollars? There's no simple answer to this. So exactly, so you don't have uh, just a simple out here where you can just say, okay, this is what we're gonna do, and for. For Marvel's purposes, I don't think I don't know if they change anything. I think that they probably don't. why would they <laughs> like they, like they don't because they already have don't they already have like a 10, 15, 20 year plan yeah because ahead? if you're the they're the PG thirteen studio right yeah you know kids are gonna sh- I said when this I heard to all in the group. them went to see Captain Marvel I said why and then I it made me realize yeah. that was just based off of Marvel. All these little eight, nine-year-old boys are going to go there. They I can't, took them all they to, see Avengers, to see Avengers, and this is what I said in the yeah. group, and that'll always be the difference if you're talking from a money-making perspective because you get, Marvel can hit every demographic, and they plan on it. Like, when they bring out Spider-Man, of course that's going to kill with their demographic. They love Spider-Man. I could take kids to go watch Avengers, but there's no way they could go watch Joker. For the ecosystem, DC... If you go rated R and you make, because Venom made $800 million or something, right? So you might not hit the billion, but if you come close, maybe that's good enough. And maybe you have the Teen Titans be the uh, the MCU competitor. I got to go watch Venom. Yeah, not good. Oh. But, it, but the Teen Titans, I feel like, could come in there. They could be like, they're a well-established brand. People will remember them from the cartoons. Yeah. People remember from the TV show. People remember that from Titans, the, the animated series when they're a little bit older. That, I believe, they could really compete with Marvel and maybe have the older superheroes just be the dark versions. And then you really have something and you could really, really compete with Marvel. I think that's the best strategy. I don't know if they're actually going to do that. I don't Because if they do another Justice League, I don't know, man. I... I still haven't watched the first one because honestly, you still didn't watch your first Justice League. No, because everybody was just piling shit on it. Boy, and I, that's felt, trash. I felt like it was going to hurt me too much. No, it because I was you. too attached to them just based off the animated stuff. 
Like, I'm not staunch on the whole DC Marvel side, like how you and Andrew and Carter. But I'm not. I want everyone to do well. That's what I'm saying. Like, I love the DC characters just like I love the Marvel characters. uh, To go back, because it's hard when Andrew and Carter are on there because they, like, you know, they just, like, they are really, like, Republicans. Republicans. (laughs) Like, they really are. But um, because the DC characters are, other than X-Men, we like everyone else in DC the most. Easily. Those were the comics that we bought. Yeah. But I think like you have you use your you use your eyes, as R. Kelly would say. You use your eyes and you watch the movies that they produce and you say It ain't as good though. It isn't as good and it's but, fine to not being as good, but someone you love could be a piece of shit and you just have to tell them this is what you have to do to fix that. Marvel reinvented themselves and did it the right way, because before before Iron Man we were not on the Marvel characters like that. No, and we even, were not. Iron Man think, brought all that shit I back. I even think after Iron Man, even the first two Thors were completely disappointing. But they had to keep reinventing but it. But it was there though. But they had an overall overarching Gold, yeah, theme, yeah. and the DC ran out and was trying to play catch up, yeah. and then just threw uh, it, Batman and Superman, and then just threw the Justice League. See, together. they had the biggest names, and they thought it could have just worked. They thought it would have worked like that. Yeah. They didn't build the team properly. They just thought we had these two superstars. And but that's now, it. now you have a then chance. And they get now, 2011 Mavericks. Yeah, but now they've cleared cap space. Ooh. And now, now they can build from the beginning and they can come from here. Because they was building around the wrong person. They was building around the wrong person. If you build around Joaquin and the Jokerverse and then Batman and then say, before any other supernatural elements come in, let's let these guys have their run. And then, because Joaquin will be like, okay, I'll be out of this in like five to seven years, and then I'll be in those movies for you. How about that? How about I do that? What if it was as simple as them sitting in the room brainstorming and every, and just one random dude saying, well, people are still talking, but Heath, Heath was the biggest star of that movie. Let's just run it around him. Yeah. That's it. Let's just change it's it. It's that Pivot simple. Pivot it. Just change it around it. And thank you for bringing up Heath. And now back to the power to, rankings. To my take him on, on, on why why Heath is better. Heath had to come in with no back. You didn't have to. Heath had to come in hot. He's a game changer. Like he had to. Simple. He had to come in from the moment you first saw him and say, "This is the character I'm embodying. This and I'm going to steal this movie in every scene. Every one of my words, every one of my scene is going to be remembered and impactful." If you get the opportunity to like slow draw it the way Joaquin did and say, I have two hours now to build up to this character and for 20 minutes I got to be what Heath kind of embodied. I think that's a, it's a different kind of lift. But for me, I think that Heath had a harder job to do and did a better job. Because there was no precedent for him. Joaquin at least had the precedent. He had to look at what Heath did. Yeah. It'd be like, okay, if anyone just went first without the knowledge, all all Heath had was Jack Jack Nicholson, who was like dancing around and yeah, that was like a cartoony shit. Yeah. So, and I think like that's what Heath did. Heath's character. Time, I guess. Heath's character changed the way the comic Joker looked. That's when they were like, oh shit, now we have to do the scars on Joker. And then they were like, oh shit, now we have to take his entire face off. His mannerism, be, his mannerisms and everything changed. The it way changed he, the, the way, way the Joker came changed. out in the new 52. Everything, everything changed. Heath Ledger personified that role and the fact of what happened in real life just took it from a place of just pop culture lore to infamy, I guess. I'm going to have that be the last. 
movie stands on this podcast. Um, out of 10, what do you give this movie? It's no lower than an 8 to me. I give it an 8, 8, 8.5. It was, would, it was really I good. I would do the I'm same. I'm in that range. 8, 8.5. Yeah. And I think, um, I think Joaquin should win the Oscar. And, uh, and I think they probably should. I think it's they always should win body for, transformation, bro. I think he should win for best actor. I think they should probably win for cinematography. And maybe you could talk me into Todd winning for director. I don't think they should win for screenplay. And I don't think that they could win for best picture. It would be cool if they did. I would like for a superhero movie it, to yes, win because for best I, w- I want all of the fucking purists to have to eat they crow. They gave Lord of the Rings the fucking um, best picture. Come yeah, on, but man. see, that came from a book. Yeah, it's, it still came from a book. It's different if you come from a comic book and you're superheroes. That's different. I want a superhero movie to do it. I feel like it'll... I mean, not that we actually need validity from those motherfuckers the in the academy polls. or whatever. Yeah, you don't need that validity, need but still, just to fuck with them, I would like to see it happen. Though. But yeah, eight eight point five. It's no lower than an eight. It was, it was a really good movie. It's it's what I expected. Everybody that tells you it's a must watch, listen to them. You should definitely go see it. Yo, go see it. Send in the clowns. <laughs> <laughs>